Welcome back to the Mandarin Blueprint Podcast. My name is Phil Crimmins, covering for Luke this week, and I just wanted to give a few updates before we get into the comments and questions. If you're new to the Mandarin Blueprint Podcast, it is a Q&A podcast that directly relates to the Mandarin Blueprint Method video course. The Mandarin Blueprint Method video course is focused on learning Chinese from the bottom up, from simple pronunciations into character components, leading into Chinese characters, leading into Chinese words, then putting those words into sentences, putting those sentences into paragraphs, and getting you into the comprehensible input stage of language acquisition as quickly as possible, which for other languages is not so hard because you can, you know, just learn the basics of the differences between the French alphabet and the English alphabet, and you've got that down pretty quickly. But of course, Chinese has these weird squiggly characters, and so how are you going to learn uh, you know, to read without knowing those characters properly? Well, that's what our course deals with and you know, goes through a very systemized and logical sequence so that you can learn each individual step much more easily than was possible before. So that's what the Mandarin Blueprint Method is all about. Now, each lesson has a comment section, and those comments are often very interesting and they're worth talking through. So that's why we do the Mandarin Blueprint Podcast to interact with the people on the course to have a chance to answer their questions and to show how their progress is going so far. Um, and apart from that, we do have a few updates. The vocab boost lessons, which are the extra words that come from the foundation course characters that we'll be adding into the intermediate course. The lessons are ready. The sentences are also all ready. We just are in the process of recording them. And so that should be done sometime in the middle of the week. And so look out for that. If you're interested in joining the beta test, as I mentioned uh, quite frequently, uh, there's a beta test for our new flashcard software at over partnering with traverse.link. And there's those of you who may want to do it because you're new to the Mandarin Blueprint method and you don't really like Anki very much. Anki is the current uh, flashcard software we're using. Uh, or you're a person who's in the intermediate course and you'd just like to help us out by getting access to these 1,500 new vocab boost sentences and you want to try them in the new flashcard software. So let us know if you're interested by sending us a message to contact at mandarinblueprint.com. The intermediate course stories are also on their way to getting completed. Uh, we are working on updating the timestamps. So the timestamps are the part of the uh, process where we set up the text tracking. So there's these text tracking files that go along with the audio so that you can read, listen, and see exactly where in the text the audio is. It just is a very good learning tool for when you're trying to get that comprehensible input uh, in the intermediate course. And these are going to be very helpful uh, to getting more solid and interesting content in Chinese that you'll be able to read and comprehend, which is the absolute key to language acquisition. And so those are the announcements for now. We've made uh, progress up to character number 2,300 in terms of planning out the advanced course. So we're getting we're going to go all the way to about 3,000. So that's uh, very exciting. Uh, we're getting into some really good stuff there. And so we're going to keep plugging away at that. And with that, without further ado, let's get into the comments and emails from this week. First, we have a comment from Julie Lund on Zhongwen in context. She says, only Mandarin Blueprint can pull this off. To be in a position where Mandarin Blueprint students are able to learn the difference between two synonyms, not by pinyin or English, but by actually reading it in Chinese characters. 
It's absolutely amazing. This merely is one reason to why Mandarin Blueprint is far superior compared to its competitors out there. Keep on the great work, Luke and Phil, and your team behind the scenes. Well, yeah, that's pretty cool. I'm sure she's referring to the fact that you have Zhongwen, which is a synonym for Hanyu, which are the two you know ways that you can say Chinese. Now, Hanyu means the language of the Han, and that's more referring to kind of the spoken language, whereas Zhongwen is sort of everything. It's kind of the spoken language and the written language. And uh, you might even have people just say Zhongguohua, uh, that's a pretty common one to hear people say. I was just uh, chatting with a, a gentleman at the uh, Qingdao Beer Festival, which was uh, quite an event. And this this guy was maybe in his um, 70s, and he sat down and he chatted with me for a little bit because he had he just saw me. He was a friendly guy. He had lived in America for a while, and we just chatted for a little bit. And uh, he was referring to my Zhongguohua. He said, Zhongguohua, hanbuto. Right? So he was, he was not... Um, saying Hanyu or Zhongwen, he was actually just saying Zhongguohua, which is like you're, you're trying to speak. And so it's pretty cool uh, to hear people say it that way. Janus Wolak on Simple Final A Quiz. I hope that uh, I pronounced that correctly. He says, uh, since I am an empty box as to the Chinese language, I find it very challenging and very interesting at the same time. Still feel like a lost sheep in the bush, but I think it is normal as everything I do learn is new to me. I'm very patient, so I don't mind to go over and over again until the penny will drop one day. From a teaching point of view, it is an excellent 10 out of 10. Well, thank you. And, you know, that's the right attitude to have. And, of course, everything at the beginning is, feels like a lot, feels overwhelming. And sometimes when you uh, get even deeper into the course, you can find that, like, oh, wow, now that I know more, I know that there's even more to learn. But what I do also find is that there is a... Uh, there's a patience that really pays off because it doesn't take long until you kind of get these breakthrough moments where you've had enough buildup of information that the connections start to happen more rapidly. And so when you're in the first stage of the course, you know, the simple final A quiz is like as early as you get in the course. We're talking like unit two of pronunciation mastery. Of course, it's not going to click quite yet, but as you continue to move forward, you'll be you'll be shocked at how quickly uh, you can have these connections. And then you'll have another plateau for a while where you kind of feel like you're staying at the same level. And then again, those connections, like a cascade, they kind of start to take off. It's very exciting. Next, we have Manicum Mutu on bonus character analysis of Xi. He says, excellent course. So glad to have signed up. For those who are interested in the evolution of Chinese characters, many years ago in Singapore, they published a book, three parts to it, called Fun with Chinese Characters, Parts 1, 2, and 3. Each book had about 30 or so characters, and each chapter would highlight one character. They would show how the initial pictogram would have looked like and how it evolved to its current form, and they would also show how it is used slash associated with other characters to derive various other words from the basic essence of the character. Much like how Phil has shown in this video about the character Xi, I find I remember the characters better if I sort of knew what they signify, like the wings, etc. The wings in Xi from the traditional uh, character for Xi. And um, yeah, you know, etymology can be very uh, 
enlightening when it comes to characters. I don't think that it's actually technically necessary to know the etymology in order to be able to learn the pronunciation and meaning and components of a character in any given moment. However, it's definitely true that you can gain a deeper understanding of the language if you understand where it was coming from. So um, that's great to see that, you know, and of course, it, you also have to ask yourself, how much do you care? Do you find that like, I'm really interested in how this goes? Or do you find that, you know, um, it's the kind of thing where, you know, you don't really care about the etymology. And so you can just decide which one is true for you. Next, we have a few different comments from Keith Travis. So as a reminder, Keith, uh, from last week's podcast, he had set himself the challenge of finishing the intermediate course in one week, which meant he was going to have to learn 1000 characters in a week. And, uh, you know, this was a major shooting for the moon type of goal. So let's see how he did over these next three comments. So the first one he left uh, is not, he, he left two comments that are relating to his overall experience. And then he left this comment, which is a bit more of a, something he realized while he was uh, going through this process. So this is on the vocab unlocked from Chu uh, in the intermediate course. He says, proper nouns have been a subject of loose consideration for me. However, it seems rather potentially important. For example, discovering that Ji represents the first character of my name in Chinese and means base. The emotional significance makes Chu easier to remember as it too means base. So Ji Chu is like the foundation of something. And it could be like the foundation of your philosophical thinking, or it could be literally the foundation of a building or something like that. But um, yeah, that's the word that gets unlocked here for uh, vocab unlocked from Chu is Ji Chu. Continuing, I suppose that simply put, this is the sort of merit of emotional and personal connections in facilitating memory. I can only imagine that as a familiarity with proper nouns grows, so too will it help to firm up and enrich the knowledge and mastery of characters in general. As Mandarin is distinct from English in the in that its proper nouns are typically made of common use words rather than being distinct in and of themselves. Right. Yeah, I mean, um, you'll notice that a lot of different characters tend to get used in proper nouns more often. So ji uh, is one of them. Uh, I remember I used to work at the kai bin si ji, uh, which was, uh, you know, all of those characters, kai bin si ji, are all, that's the Kempinski Hotel, and that they're all characters that get frequently used in transliterations. And one of the things that is so great about doing uh, characters in the hands of movie method way is when you start to read more like you read Harry Potter, um, for example, you know, people always would say to me when I was in university, they'd say, oh, man, reading Harry Potter is tough because I think that I'm learning some new word, but it turns out it's just somebody's name. It's like Dumbledore or something. And I thought that I was having to look up this word and it turns out it was just a name. And I remember thinking, I'm not having this problem because I've learned the characters uh, the right way and I learning character by character as opposed to learning word by word. And so I know that these are the types of characters that often get used in transliterations and it just sticks out. It's like this character doesn't get used that often in in various words. It gets used a lot in transliterations. And then there are, of course, examples like Ji where it gets used a lot in words and also gets used in transliterations. But, you know, usually there's at least one other character in the transliteration that really only gets used in names, in which case you figure out, okay, well, that, that Ji is just there for... Uh, it's not meaning base or uh, foundation in this case. It means 
you know, there's just a name transliteration. Moving on to Keith's comment, he left at the end of level 51, which is about six levels from the end. He says, 318 more characters to go. While I don't believe I'll manage to have reinforced all of the intermediate char characters to do an Anki session within the one week mark, I'm certainly all on pace to having them all written down in one week. Long days, these, <laughs> I figured. Um, my end of 10th week date is fast approaching, July 16th, giving me an extra three days to make sure I've rotated through all of the vocab on Anki for a couple of days before switching gears back to sentences and shadowing. I've discovered Musio, a free music player app for Android. It will let me play and shuffle through the thousands of sentence tracks at reduced speeds all the way down to 10%, which is too slow. <laughs> and it allows faster speed playback too. Maybe one day that will be useful. It also, and it also allows to play back with the pitch increased or decreased, like listening to chipmunks on the one hand or low-pitched computers or bad guy voices on the other. I like that every lesson character is shown with two fonts, both the basic digital as well as basic calligraphic font. Calligraphic. 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 <laughs> I don't know which emphasis on syllable I should use with that. Um, without which I can also, I can see how some characters might otherwise really throw one for a loop when seen drawn differently. Sure, sure. Yeah, that's good. That's great to um, have an app that'll change the speeds of the uh, sentences, particularly to make it slower towards the beginning. There's no real need to make it faster, but uh, you know that can be good. And it's actually good if it if it doesn't change the pitch, so that you can shadow more accurately but then on the other hand i suppose it can be kind of funny to hear people sounding like chipmunks okay but here's the big comment from keith that's very interesting to check out this is from level 57 complete and this is this is where he's gone the whole way through the course through the intermediate course and there's going to be more for him very soon but let's take a look at this final comment from keith after getting through a thousand characters in a week um so let's see what he, what he says here Thank you, Phil and Luke, for your recent responses to many of the comments I've been leaving regarding my attempt at a 1,000 characters in a week attempt. I continue to find your comments most validating and insightful. I thought I'd, finish, I'd just finish up debriefing about how it, the one-week experiment, concluded. As mentioned in an earlier comment of mine, it was looking pretty grim to finish initializing all of the words by the technical by the technical end of one week. In fact, it took pretty much somewhere into the 11th, into an 11th day total to get everything straightened out, both in my mind and on Anki. By the way, I see you discovered my couple of errors in my example using four types of Qing. You're quite right, of course. I was rushing. <laughs> I'd noticed them myself shortly after submitting the comment I had written. Corrective notes into an edit of the comment. Just as you mentioned in your video response, it was easy to modify the scenes accordingly. Later, I make a comment about not allowing characters to touch objects or other characters or directly refer to using to other characters by name or what props they may be using. Previously, based upon the only two quote-unquote muddled memories I'd experienced where I truly could not isolate who belonged to what, allowing these sort of, these sort of quote-unquote trespass muddled the memory process in a rather distinct sort of way. Abiding by this rule, characters may form as complex of dialogues as they wish with each other so long as they are not directly looking at other characters, directly addressing them or touching their props or bodies. Using the technique doesn't require 
having characters interact from the beginning of developing a Henza movie method scene whatsoever. It is, however, definitely an extremely useful way to catalyze a starter set of laterally connected characters before re refining as needed on Anki. As to the 11 day total, there isn't much of significance to say beyond yet another earlier post of mine in which I gave detail. Yet three fine points come up. One, rolling the process forward with next day Anki reviews showed. Day eight, 400 plus characters to review, 10.1 second per character average at 96% comprehension. Day nine, 500 plus characters to review, 11.3 second per character on average at 94% retention. Day 10, 600 plus characters to review, 15.4 second character per character average at 87% retention. Note one, really not bad. Some of that time is just me letting the clock run past the one minute Anki default timer while I double check a prop or get sidetracked. Note two, Anki can certainly be leveraged in other ways to promote various forms of development. Reviewing words at random is only one sort of usefulness. It takes a bit of learning Anki itself to start separating cards into character first or English word first subdecks. However, it's well worth it, as by the time I have already gone on to further cement the process by reviewing all characters using the custom study days in advance settings to really help ease a sort of top-down set and bottom-up set, as well as an everything randomly combined set. More on that below. All right, interesting. Note three, although I had listened to a comment made by an Anki Power user to the effect of a proven statistically greater retention long-term if one actually extends the default time on one of Anki's review timers from 10 days out to 15 days, there are, in my strong opinion, three excellent benefits from also doing quote-unquote speed runs. Note 3a, it boosts the facility for sight reading and sight pronouncing characters. Note 3b, in conjunction with the fact of exposure to several different fonts, at least four from across the website, Anki on my PC and Anki on my Android, there is further challenge of induction to notice little details and make slash have denser associative realizations. Note 3C1, <laughs> it enables one to create a habit which will eventually culminate in an average reduction of review time that is perfectly manageable with respect to say one character slash second total accuracy or better, meaning one can fit a relatively large selection to reasonably within a 25 minute time box. Similarly, I have four Mandarin poster board sets with the first 1,000 characters and second 1,000 characters in both simplified and traditional. You have a photograph of the very same model of poster on one of your website pages, actually. Eventually, reviewing an entire poster board should easily come in under 25 minutes. Note 3C2, extended. Less obvious is that by warming up or activating so many characters in so short a time, such reviews sort of make lateral considerations far more accessible as characters learned a month ago occur to one's mind to compare and contrast with the character learned a week ago, and so on. There's a classical ad adage in Psychology and Neurology 101 which says, Fire together, wire together, out of sync, do not link. Yeah, it makes sense to me. Similarly, seeing strings of similar characters that one already strongly recognizes presented right next to each other in time or space by whatever organizing criterion one chooses facilitates a strong understanding of what in modern psychology is called prototyping. These prototyping developments require require allowing the Henza scenes, which we worked up as necessary scaffolding, to then shift around and or sluice away as needed as m other more sensible bonds of direct in-language develop. This is a really good point. Like, you, you make the scenes um, partially to 
just kind of create a scaffold to to give a something to placehold the character until you can learn it the proper way, which is through the language. I mean, once you're using the characters over and over in the language, you don't need the scene anymore. That's a question that comes up all the time. It's like, well, I have to remember these scenes forever? And the answer is definitively no, because eventually uh, you'll, you'll completely master it within the language. Continuing, I've returned to a far more considered review. Now all of the props and radicals is a separate network of complement to my daily review of the quote-unquote core characters. Not wishing to disturb the core, I leave aside learning any Mandarin pronunciation of the props and re reinforce them in my own separate deck, just so as to have a means of gradually transferring clusters of admittedly English-heavy derived meaning from them to the core's developing internal, internally consistent coherence. Attributing multiple Mandarin character-relevant English meanings to each prop and each core character is extremely useful in facilitating this prototype shuffling, allowing more options for characters and their components and phonemes to find optimized coherence in whatever the brain's gauge of appropriate n-dimensional abstraction or what not or what not plays around. <laughs> Sorry, I sometimes have trouble reading <laughs> what Keith has written here because it's a little bit over my head. I mean, like it's a lot, got a lot of, you know, uh, psycho psychological terms, but I'm, I'm generally following. I also made separate subdecks and subdecks from the Anki vocab decks to isolate all English first flashcards away from Mandarin character first cards, as well as leaving the option of a combined random review deck. Whereas both using both types of cards seems to have been an excellent way of developing a strong initial memory of each character, revealing when one does or does not really remember the character in its entirety or and so providing a strong self-correction mechanism, it seems now a good idea to separate out the two approaches and develop an English first network separate from yet increasingly finely coherently analogous with a likewise increasingly finely coherent and analogous Henza first network and allow the challenge and confidence reward to exist more predominantly in the speed of retrieval rather than in the totality of recognition. Okay. I don't like, I don't really, it's funny. I'm, I'm following all that. I just don't necessarily follow the emotional side of that, but Fair enough. To borrow one of Luke's terms, I'm rejiggering the situation. The two networks, so to speak, are already pretty conjoined. I'm feeling confident they will continue to meet in the middle as needed. We'll see. End of intermediate vocab blitz comments. Now, continuing, he says, before moving on to any further vocabulary, I'm just going to let this core set consolidate for a while and reevaluate. I may satisfy my curiosity and complete an quote unquote at least quote, at least one character for every phoneme and tone, unquote, possibility. But that's all for now. So many interesting little observations are waiting to be made. For example, the Biang phoneme, not listed in the brilliant MV phonetic chart, is a bit of an exception in that there is an is actually a 57 stroke, supposedly most complex character character novelty character called Biang associated with a particular noodle restaurant somewhere in China that's in Xi'an Biang Biang Mian Biang is then typically described as meaning awesome as in awesome noodles of a sort I thought the phoneme was unique to the that character and restaurant alone but just yesterday I happened to discover that Buyang not the same slash different forms a colloquial contraction as Biang and henceforth becomes awesome in the right context in another example, the phoneme 
could have any of the four tones associated with it, and yet there are only ever fourth tone characters listed in any dictionary I've yet seen. Yet it seems best to consolidate for now and focus on shifting towards reading and shadowing. Set setting these little project-based learning challenges has been increasingly engaging. They have been two rather exciting developments in the pronunciation slash listening slash mental transcription arena, but I'll leave that for now and give myself two solid weeks to shift focus onto listen, sentence, passage, shadow, practice leading up to my HSK4 attempt. So you might not be hearing from me for a little while. As always, thank you and cheers. Well, congratulations to Keith for getting so far. I hope that some of that uh, his techniques were useful to people. Like I said, some of them went a little bit over my head, but um, I am glad to see that he's doing all this project-based learning and trying to uh, apply, you know, different methods to finding what works for him and what will, you know, ultimately be good reviewing techniques. So. And uh, definitely a consolidation period is in order here because you put a lot of information into your head real quick. But what's so cool about doing it this way where you just like wash your brain with loads of different uh, bits of content is that you, it's amazing how much of it ends up sticking partially because you're linking up so many things so quickly. So perhaps there's a link to something in level 51 to level uh, 17. And if you're not moving really quickly through the course, you're not going to discover that link until much later. Now, of course, the disadvantage is that there's no doubt that there are some things that are going to fall out of that, um, you know, that, that, that would have been looked over or just studied too quickly and will fall out. But I think overall, you're going to get more benefit than you're going to get lost. And then those things will come in through Anki. Anki will tell you what areas were uh, not perfectly retained. So... Well done, Keith. Congratulations. That's an incredible achievement. And, uh, you know, we'd like to probably talk to you again. Uh, we just did a case study with you, but I'd like to probably talk to you again about how you feel maybe in a couple of weeks after consolidating for a bit. Uh, excellent stuff. Next, we have Boo Boo on level seven complete. I've been writing down all my scenes in a notebook from the beginning, and I wonder if I should continue doing this going forward, or should I be writing it in Anki? If I don't jot it down, I tend to forget my scenes. Most times I tend to recognize the characters better than the stories during review time, therefore I skip the stories. Is this the correct way? But I feel that if I don't remember my stories, I won't be able to retain what I've learned. Looking for guidance, thanks. So the answer to this is that you definitely don't need to write down your scenes in the long run, because and, and writing down your scenes can become a crutch. I mean, at level seven, it's kind of like on the border there um, because at the beginning, writing down your scenes can be a good way to remember how to do the method. Um, but eventually they become a crutch because the idea is that you should be able to make your scenes visually stimulating enough and have enough special effects so that they don't need to, they, they sort of stand alone as being memorable. And like, as a reminder about this, Think about actual memories you have from your life. Why do you remember them? Is it because you wrote it down? Well, no, because you haven't written down every single thing that's happened in your life, and yet you still remember lots of things that you haven't written down. So clearly, there are things that we can visually remember that aren't specifically um, written or otherwise jotted down in that way. So uh, that's one reason why you don't need to write them down. Secondly, if you so by not writing them down, you kind of force yourself to, uh, 
you force yourself to make your scenes more vivid and visually stimulating and use your other senses and use the special effects and keep reading those special effects documents and script trigger documents and keep trying new things, keep watching the videos, keep reading other people's scenes and you're gonna get better and better at this. So there's that. But then remember, you're not remembering your scenes so that you can remember them forever. You're remembering your scenes to as a placeholder until you see the character in context enough that you remember it through the language itself. And so eventually, just like with any word in your native language, uh, you don't need to ever review it again because you just know them. Like you've succeed, you succeeded in acquiring the language and you don't need to continue to review. And so that's going to be the case with all of these characters eventually. Now you're only in phase two, so you're not seeing them in too much context yet. Um, but it won't be long. So I would say you can write down your scenes in Anki if you want, but you don't have to, and uh, you'll get better and better as you um, see these characters in more context. Next, we have Oscar Hagland on Vocab Unlocked from Zhi. He says, hi, what's the rationale behind the keyword for this character being, quote unquote, to devote when we are shown to uses none of which seem remotely related. Is it a more uncommon usage? So what Oscar's discovering here is, you know, one of our rules is that we try not to repeat keywords. Now, we might repeat a keyword if, like, say we say that this character means uh, refined, elegant, and prosperous, and then another one we say is um, elegant and beautiful, uh, or elegant, beautiful, and uh, exciting or something. Technically, both of those had elegant, but they were amongst the three word phrase. But the idea here is that we already used to send and to deliver, which are the primary meanings of zhi, but it's a very formal way of saying send or deliver. And because Chinese tends to have a formal and an informal word for almost everything, that means that sometimes there's going to be a, uh, a synonym in English, that's the same exact word. We've used them already for the spoken characters, and now the formal characters come along, and we've already used those keywords. We don't like to repeat the keywords. So in that case, we're going to pick a secondary uh, or a secondary keyword uh, and devote, if, for example, li um, means to devote with all your power. something means like to put all of your devotion into something, and that's a, a word that's going to come up in the uh, later upper intermediate and advanced courses. And so it's, you know, more like an HSK seven, eight, nine word. So you might as well know that a secondary meaning of this character is to devote. And, uh, meanwhile, it's otherwise, it's just a formal version of fa or song, right? So, um, this is going to happen more and more, the further you get into the course, because there are going to be more and more formal, formal characters that you're going to learn. Chris Lewis on 中国变化大. It's so cool to be able to read Chinese with only missing one or two characters, but generally can think in Chinese and work out what the two characters mean together. Yeah, Chris is doing a great job and he's starting to see that, you know, when you get into these longer form pieces of content, you can start to get contextual clues that are really quite effective at, you know, it's like when you can learn a word because you've learned the characters from the bottom up, that's one thing. But when you can learn a word because you recognize all the context around it, that's almost more powerful because it means you learned it top down through context of all the Chinese that you learned bottom up. And that's why bottom up learning begets top down learning because the, the more you have 
all of these different solid foundational structures throughout a paragraph of these known characters, then you can have two characters in between that are seemingly unrelated to the other characters. And it's like, the, but all those other characters and their foundation prop up that new word. So it's pretty cool uh, how that can work. Christopher Weeks on level 37 complete, he says, is there a particular reason why the end of level PDFs were taken away with the words known split into nouns, verbs, adjectives, etc.? Are they being updated? I found that quite useful for language exchanges or reflecting back on what vocab I now knew compared to before. Yeah, so Christopher must have just missed the link at the top of the uh, level 36 complete. It has a link that says click here to see your progress because, you know, a PDF, once we export a PDF, we can't just update it if we add a word. So suppose that in level 37, we added one word. Well, suddenly that means we have to update a PDF, uh, reformat it, and then export it to PDF and then upload it again, just to tomorrow decide, oh, we actually wanna add two more words and then do that whole process again. We worked with Traverse, which is the company working make, that we're making our new flashcard software with to make our level reviews and how it works is that we we have a uh, file where we can update uh, the words from any given level and it will automatically update all of the um, level review links. So it, it's, it's constantly able to be updated without us having to go through that whole rigmarole. Hence why we don't have the PDFs there anymore. So the PDFs have been replaced by the traverse.link um, review pages, word progress pages that are at the end of every uh, at the top of every level review description and uh you know it has all the same information and you know it's up to date so that's all uh, one of the best parts about it okay next we have canadian defector on word structure part three of eight verb how which is a uh, uh, part of our series on chinese word structure for compound words she says after completing level 12 and reaching the final eighth part of this topic. I just had to come back and watch them all again and make notes. I can see how understanding these structures is a fundamental building block that will serve me well as I keep learning. Reading comprehension just took a huge step forward, especially since I've noticed that Chinese doesn't make use of spacing between words like English does. It can be difficult to know which characters go together as you first learn. Also, I must say your enthusiasm draws me in and is contagious. I'm always excited for whatever comes next. I tell you that these word structure um, lessons and learning that at Sichuan University about word structure was a huge part of my, um, uh, it was just the thing that I really took from my time at Sichuan University and found to be quite useful, hence why we applied it here at uh, the Mandarin Blueprint Method, because you know many things you learn in university just feel like superfluous and about linguistics, but this stuff I thought was fascinating. And so you're definitely picking up on real enthusiasm there. I think it's so cool how Chinese is structured and how, uh, how it is such a logical language. So onwards and upwards. Philip Dong on Make a Movie for Jin. Hi, Luke and Phil. In one of the level 20 Anki cards, the English translation on it says, how is he to know you don't eat bread? If, based on the English translation, should the sentence not read as, Thanks, Philip. Well, there's nothing wrong with that sentence. The sentence that you added is perfectly fine. There's another way of asking rhetorical questions, which is like saying, when you use question words, you can use them in such a way as if to say, you know, where was he to know in what place, like what, there's sort of a rhetorical nature to it. Ta nar, like nar means where. So 
in what place was he supposed to have figured out that you don't eat bread, right? And so that's just another rhetorical flair. But saying is also perfectly fine. It just has a little bit less flair to it. It's just a rhetorical flair that's going on uh, in the first version of the sentence. The second in the sentence is more direct. Um, and so in the case of it could be just more like a direct question, not a rhetorical question. So anyway, that's... Um, the answer to that, just really just difference in rhetoric. Rick Anglin on vocab unlocked from Ru, Ru Qing, Ru Shui, Jia Ru. Are Kai Shui and Ru Shui different in some way? Yes, Kai, kai Shui is for sure been boiled. I mean, it doesn't have to still literally be boiling, but um, Ru Shui just means hot water in general. So, like, the hot water in your shower is not boiling, but it's still hot. So, that's the difference. Kai Shui has for sure reached the boiling point. Julie Lund on Xin in context. I was about to ask whether she meant herself or another ta, but then I figured that the sentence would include ziji after the second ta if it was herself, based on previous sentences in Anki. It's truly amazing how the brain works with all this Chinese exposure. Yeah, isn't that fun? It's so great when you start to understand things like that simply from all of your different comprehensible inputs. So congratulations on uh, your progress so far, Julie. You've been leaving lots of great uh, positive and optimistic comments lately, so that's great to see. Next, we'll move on to the vocab living link section where people give their suggestions for remembering Chinese words by using audio mnemonics or visualizations or suggesting images. So let's start with Tina Clark on vocab unlocked from Wei. Wei le, ren wei, wei shemma. She says, Wayla, for the sake of the whales. So, whale, Wayla, sort of sounds very similar. And I like this one too because there's a lot of like the save the whales type of, um, you know, stuff that was going on. I can't remember exactly, it was in the 90s, but there was a, a bunch of, you know, activism for saving the whales. And uh, so it's for the sake of the whales, a perfect connection. And I, that's exactly the type of creativity we want for these vocab living links. Chris Lewis on vocab unlocked from Shi, Zheng Shi. My mnemonic for Zheng is jungle. Wearing a dress shirt in the jungle makes you look really formal. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> You're going to look more formal than ever. That's a good use of contrast, right? Because Zheng shirt means formal. And so you, what scenario makes you look particularly formal? Is it a formal event? Well, maybe, but then you might think of other things that are related to it. But when you're formal in a context that is the complete opposite of that, that's what uh, you know, can be really, uh, really make it stand out. That's the meaning there. Chris Lewis on Vocab Unlocked from Dao, Dao Zi. Rambo's knife or Crocodile Dundee's famous quote, that's not a knife. <laughs> yeah, so totally um, good connection there. Just a quick, you know, it's like, don't just think of a knife. Think of a specific knife, like Rambo's knife, or think of a, a famous quote. Perfect. Chris Lewis on Vocab Unlocked from Fun. Yue Fun. Sounds like you're a fin, <laughs> aka a great white shark in the movie Jaws that only comes out in the summer months to terrorize people in boats. Right, so summer months, you're a fin, you're a fin, aka great white shark. That's a great little set of connections there. Chris is awesome at these. Chris Lewis on vocab unlocked from qie, yi qie. Sounds like he chairs 
everything as the board member. Nice. He eats it. He chairs. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I like it. And sometimes, you know, that one seem, might seem like a stretch at first, but like I've said with many of these vocab living links, it makes such a difference um, when you know that, like, sure, it's a stretch, but it's a stretch that your brain came up with. So it's far more likely to remember than somebody else. Chris Lewis on Vocab Unlocked from Show. I am so sick of watching the show where they try and scare you by saying the word boo. Liao sounds like le in French, which means the. Le. Yeah, so, so I imagine the show taking place in Quebec, Canada. All right, yeah, All right, fair enough. So I'm tired of watching the show where they try to scare you by saying the word boo. <laughs> All right, nice, fair enough. Next, Chris Lewis on Vocab Unlocked from 错,不错,没错,还不错. Living links, 不错. My boots, oh, they're not bad. Still working them in. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. You can imagine a scenario where you're standing there and you're surprised somebody's noticed your new boots. 没错,没错, <laughs> they are normally correct about most of my problems. <laughs> yep, sure, absolutely. High High boots. Oh, they are not bad. Good enough for walking in the snow or the rain. Right. So you have the high boots that are good for that particular scenario. I like it. Next, we have Tina Clark on vocab unlocked from hui, ji hui, and yi hui. I see in Pleco the alternate meanings of ji and hui can be chance and meeting. A chance meeting makes me think of Jack meeting the magic bean man by chance and the golden opportunity he has to trade his cow for the magic beans, right? So nice little connection there. And of course, chance a chance meeting is really kind of what an opportunity is. You know, it's a, something that comes up uh, through the various uh, vicissitudes of chance and you meet with it. So there's an opportunity. Rick Anglin on Vocab Unlocked from Yung. Dian Yung, Yung Zi, Dian Yung Yuan. Shadow, that amazing 2019 Chinese movie where the commander is a shadow of his former self and has a body double shadow trained to impersonate him. The movie poster has the characters casting shadows. Yeah, it's perfect for Yingzi and Dianyong. And of course, the movie poster is going to exist in the Dianyong Yuan, which is the uh, uh, movie theater. Julie Lund on Vocab Unlocked from Xin, Xiang, uh, Xiang Xin and Xin Xi. She says, for Xin Xi, believe plus breath. The prehistoric humans shared information or stories with each other orally, info shared through breath and not paper, and believed it. In short, took their word for it, literally. Nice, that's a really good connection there. And that's like thinking about the possible etymology of the word even. Julie Lund on Vocab Unlocked from Wen, Zhongwen, and Wenhua. A suggestion of image to Zhongwen, middle plus culture, a map of the world from a Chinese perspective. China will be, will then be in a middle and therefore the culture in the middle of the map. Well, that's certainly how China has seen itself for much of history, hence why the Bainian uh, the century of humiliation, is still something that is in the hearts of a lot of Chinese people because for, you know, a really long time, centuries and centuries, uh, China was really the economic center of the world. And so when it sort of shifted to being more, um, you know, Anglo-American, they, uh, 
you know, felt like they had really fallen off. And so the, the world was no longer Chinese centric, but they still you know, kind of see it that way. So uh, excellent submissions this week and excellent, excellent questions. Thanks so much for listening to the Mandarin Blueprint podcast, and we'll see you next week.